Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking Fox, the show where we talk about Wes Anderson's fantastic Mr. Fox one minute at a time. That's right. We're renaming the show 62 minutes in to Talking Fox. It's no longer Fantastic Minute anymore. Uh, I'm Tyler Boudreau. I'm Condra Boudreau. And Condra, we have a guest today. Huzzah! <laughs> a returning guest. Please give a big round of applause for fan favorite. You probably like him better than you like me, Sean German. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Uh, Condra, Tyler, it's uh, it's fantastic to be here. Aww, thank oh, thank you so much. No, yeah, we appreciate having you on. You are very very enthusiastic about this film, and we like it. Uh, well, I, I like you guys. I like the podcast, and uh, I definitely like Mr. Fox. So that's great. So, so, yeah, I saw you posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago. You were watching, like, two movies a day or something. <laughs> Can you explain this? I just I just like movies, just watching lots of movies. Um, and I've actually watched this. I think uh, last time I was on, I said um, I hadn't watched this particular movie in a long time um, until before you had, you had announced the podcast. And now it's it's kind of kicked up my interest. I think I've watched it four or five times from start to finish <laughs> in the in the few weeks since the last time we spoke. That is amazing. I wish I could watch it in full right now. That's the one thing I want right now is to actually watch it in full. Well, Sean gave me some advice earlier when I was texting with him to set to get ready for today, and he said, "You know, it's nice to it's nice to go back and watch the full movie every once in a while." Sean, what, how did you put it? Well, you know, sometimes you have to t- take a step back and, and see the forest after uh, examining the trees one at a time. And I I know it's it's really tough when you're in the midst of of breaking down a movie one minute at a time. It takes up a lot of a lot of resources and a lot of your attention. But I found, at least personally for me. I have noticed so many things watching to see the way they they fit together, watching the movie as a whole, kind of just taking a step back. And it's, I know it's hard to do in the middle, but uh, it, for the movies that I've covered one minute at a time, it really enhanced my appreciation of how all the little pieces fit together and, and seeing them as a whole rather than those individual pieces. So, yeah, if, if you have a chance, I think it's it's worthwhile. Take a couple hours and, and actually watch this movie. Obviously, you enjoy the movie or you wouldn't be covering it like this. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the movie. And, and for reference, Sean, the thing I was trying to reference earlier was uh, you posted on Facebook that you would watch uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Ratatouille in succession. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that true? <laughs> Those are two of Tyler's favorite movies. <laughs> Yeah, well, there, there was the um, the like movie a day challenge that I got tagged in on Facebook. That was just to post uh, post a scene, a still, a screen capture of a movie with no commentary. Don't post the name or the title or anything. My friend, our friend, a uh, friend of the the movies by minutes community, Christopher Dennis DeGuardia, tagged me, and and I couldn't pick ten. I couldn't decide on ten, so I actually ended up doing uh, ten double features. So 10 days in a row, yeah, watched two movies and then just posted just a, a single a single capture, a single scene from those movies with without naming them just to see if people could guess. And um, yeah, one of the double features was uh, Ratatouille, which uh, inspired by the show. You guys had mentioned the, the connection there and both obviously animated and, and deal with animals and stuff. Yeah, Ratatouille and, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. It, it warmed my heart to see that. It was very, I was very happy. That's good. So, uh, it, we're talking about minute 62 of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which begins with uh, Rickety Mouse still chuckling a little bit, and it ends with Fox saying, the time is now. 
does he continue or is it just the time is now? It's all unclear. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> You'll have to find out. Um, not a correction per se, but uh, it, an addendum to last week's minute. We uh, we real I realized that we never introduced the voice actor of Rickety Mouse, uh, and that is Adrian Brody, whom I don't have extensive research in front of me about, but uh, he's a, he's a pretty notable actor, most most famous for The Pianist. I don't I, he might have won an Oscar for that, or that movie won an Oscar. Uh, he's also in Peter Jackson's King Kong, mm-hmm. and I think in terms of Wes Anderson, he's in the Darjeeling Unlimited, I believe, and maybe also Grand Budapest Hotel. Yep. Uh, very small moment in this film to have an Adrian Brody cameo, but uh, <laughs> Condra, Sean, any takes on Adrian Brody? I know I know his face, and I've probably, like, I've seen the Grand Budapest Hotel, and I've seen The Pianist, but... He's not one. He's like one of those actors that like looks familiar and like seems like he's in a lot. But I genuinely like, I'm looking and I'm like, I don't know any of the movies he's been in. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the, the same line. I certainly i i I don't know if I recognize his voice, but when I hear the name, I know his face. I know he's an actor, and I look at the list of movies, and there are a lot of. Them. <laughs> I don't know how many of I've seen. I did see he was in a TV miniseries on Houdini. Where he played Harry Houdini, and that was a couple years oh, ago. Neat. I think that's other than other than this, that may be the the one thing he's done that I'm most familiar with. I'm just guessing that he's more of like a he likes to make more art indie movies. Oh, he's also in Midnight in Paris, the uh, Woody Allen film with with Owen Wilson, other Wes Anderson favorite. Coach. Yeah, I think he had more. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily like strictly independent, but smaller, artsier. I know also know him from. Um, Cadillac Records, which was um, kind of a, a lightly fictionalized account of chess records, and he played Leonard Chess in that. So, but another not you know not a, a big box office boom, you know not a not a not a billion dollar seller like some of the Star Wars movies or something like that. So, I you know I my first thought is smaller films, but I guess they're not really smaller films; they're just uh, I guess more selective in their audience. He's in Peaky Blinders too, which is another great tv show oh yeah i'm also seeing him as being in angels in the outfield although i don't know how old he was when that came out he was uh 21 when that came out so i'm assuming he was one of the players also uh m night Shyamalan's the village oh okay Hmm. he's definitely a guy that i think he's more of a prestige actor like you throw him in a serious role not in like a popcorn film although i would love to see like a superhero turn out of adrian brody that'd be awesome (laughs) yeah well i could see Something like oh, even a Batman, because he's got a, you know a, a, Ooh, a darker yeah. side, a more serious side. Um, I think he, you know, maybe and and our folks, uh, you know, friends John and Niall over at Batman Minute talk about this. There's the good actors, actors who do a good Batman, and actors who do a good Bruce Wayne, and they're not always the same. Um, I definitely see Adrian Brody as someone who could do a good Bruce Wayne, for sure. Brooding Brody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I, <laughs> just just to bring it back to uh, to the movie at hand, I like that we get a little bit of um, of rickety here, just because it allows me to. And you you guys, we've discussed it before on the podcast, but to talk about the the scale and the size and like how big are how big are the foxes and how big are they relative to other things? Because um, Mister Fox is really looking down on this field mouse. On this, uh, <laughs> um, Micrococcus pennsylvanicus is 
like barely knee high to a fox. And we know the foxes are not very big. So this is this is a very small mouse. Indeed. There is a lot of stuff in this minute. So, uh, Conrad, you want to say something about scale, but then no, I want to kind no, of push us along. No, scale just continually confuses me in this movie, and it just is so frustrating. <laughs> and thank you, Sean, for again bringing it up because it was bothering me okay. again. And I know there's only so many times I can talk about scale. Yeah. But, the, yeah, there is, as you said, there is a lot going on in this minute. And then we get to, uh, we get more Kylie. Hey, I'll, I'll tell us what's next, Sean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sean. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Uh, yes, <laughs> Feel Feel free to segue us if we're going off track, please. And like, likewise. So yeah, we get some Kylie. Uh, Kylie kind of goes up to Mr. Fox. He's like, hey, uh, you, you never told me my Latin name. What's my strength? What's going on here? And uh, I love that Kylie has to ask, what's my strength? Oh my God, I love it so much. It's so in character. She's so precious. Yeah. I cannot handle Kylie. Well, we, we know from what last minute or maybe two minutes ago, we know he's a pretty good minnow fisherman. Yeah, yeah, this the, the description, yep. and it's so it's nice and it's pleasant and it's condescending at the same time, you know, <laughs> compared yep. to like the other the other strengths that uh, that the other animals have. And I guess at this point, like jobs have been assigned. So after we, we the the camera f- pulls away from Rickety, and we see Mister Fox is it looks like he's handing the pencil over to Linda. And she's holding her pad. So I assume at this point, like, they've reviewed everyone's strengths and weaknesses and they've assigned jobs. <laughs> and But Kylie has not yet get, got his assignment. And it, it seems like he's not going to get one because, like, Linda heads off. She's, like, she's, she's got, like, kind of the, you know, the, the job chart or the pad and she's walking away. <laughs> and Kylie's got nothing. He doesn't have anything to do. I'm just kind of imagining Kylie just kind of, like, quietly following around Mr. Fox, like waiting for him to not be busy for half a second so we can interrupt him and ask him. Yeah. I feel like I've had that like when I'm at work, like, uh, boss, I need to <laughs> just, just ask one quick yeah. thing. Well, we should say that Kylie does have a Latin name. He does have a Latin name, but I also looked it up. Possums, or he's an opossum, don't exist in Europe. They only exist in the Western Hemisphere and in Australia. Mm-hmm. Well, possums exist in Australia. Opossums exist in the uh, Western. That is too confusing. So, yeah, for context, uh, what Mr. Fox replies to Kylie with is, like, he's like, you're Kylie. Your job is to just be there if we need you. <laughs> I don't know if you have a Latin name. I don't even think they had opossums in ancient Rome, which I love that line. Oh, my God, I love that line so much. <laughs> And that line inspired me to go into a deep dive of whether possums existed in Europe or not. Well, the idea that Fox is like this know-it-all who knows all these Latin names, but the foundation of this knowledge is that he thinks that it's because the ancient Romans named all of these animals. (laughs) Yeah, this is just one of the fun aspects of, of Mr. Fox's personality is... He knows some things, and he can present it as if he knows all the things. And it sounds like it makes <laughs> like the way he says it. He's very confident. Well, like, you don't know. I don't even know if they had opossums in ancient Rome, so you don't get a Latin name. And it's like, oh, well, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Sure, that makes sense. Which, of course, we know that's not how that's not how Latin names work. But he says it with such confidence. You know? 
just imagine a small child hearing that though and then like thinking everything's wrong i know like growing up my dad definitely told me things about space that i took (laughs) to like school and was definitely wrong and like what if some small child thought that was accurate and then they went to school and they were like yeah just animals that didn't exist in rome don't have latin names yeah (laughs) condra for the record what is the what is the latin name of an opossum an opossum so the american to um south america latin name is or their order is um didelphimorphia okay um they're marsupials they don't have their species name hold on so they're so they're didelphimorphia and their family name is didelphidae i'm sorry my latin's really rusty they're marsupials mm-hmm. fun fact they're really their own kind of thing. They really branch, like, in the terms of where they branch from. They're, they're very much isolated into their own thing. So let's let's say we got the common opossum is Didelphus marsupialis. I don't, we don't know which variety of opossum it is because opossum is, I think, the broad term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, my little bit of research turned up that uh, or suggested that Kylie is a Virginia opossum. Mm-hmm. Latin name Didelphus Virginiana. Uh, my Latin is also very rusty. Which well, you see, Sean, in, in Latin, V's sound like uh, W, okay. so it'd be uh, Didelphus <laughs> Virginiana. Virginiana. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll just I'll just say it like it's in Russian then. Yeah, you're talking to someone who studies Latin in okay. college, so right. it's not your so fault. I absolutely, will d- defer to you on that. But yeah, so there's there's many different <laughs> species of opossums, but they're uh, yeah they're all new at least now they're they're new world animals, so they're all in uh, North and South America. So there's does this mean Kylie's an immigrant? Yes, as established in the last minute, uh, Microtus pensylvanicus, which is what rickety mouse is, is not native is also not native to Great Britain or the United Kingdom. So that means that rickety and Kylie are presumably immigrants of some sort. But not not invasive. I don't think it's fair to call Kylie an invasive species. <laughs> Thank you, Shaw. I just I want to stand. I would you know I'm going to stick up for Kylie. He's welcome anytime. You can, I will also. Stick well, his up job's for just to be there, just to be available as an unbelievable nice guy. Oh uh, yeah, he also said that. Well, and when we get down to brass tacks, like who who's on the who's on the rescue mission? It's Fox and Kylie. That's like. Kylie Fox brings Kylie with them to to the farm for the rec- rescue mission. Kylie is the real MVP. He's dependable. And then we cut to uh, Felicity painting. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes, she's doing a mural. I actually have who it was actually painted by IRL. Oh neat. Um, yeah. So I have a really snazzy book, Sean. In yeah. case you didn't know, called "The Making of Fantastic Mr. Fox." I've heard, and it has some really snazzy interviews and some fun painting information and concept designs and that kind of stuff. And so all of the miniature paintings that um, Mrs. Fox has on display throughout the film are done by the environmental designer Turlo Griffin. He also has done work on such films as um, the Odd Life of Timothy Green, if you remember that from Disney back in the day. He did some um, Merlin, Doctor Who, Matt, pa- Matt paintings. He did some stuff for Downton, Captain America, the First Avenger. 
He did um, Snow White and the Huntsman. He did some digital matte painting work. But Fantastic Mr. Fox really seems to be, like, one of his highlight, like, shining star positions for him. He also did um, concept art for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's this guy who just does some, he does a lot of paintings and art in general, but Fantastic Mr. Fox really, like, was one of his kind of shining star moments, and he really brought stuff to life, including all of the oil paintings, so... Yeah, and this oil painting that Felicity has painted is stunning. It's like the size of a whole wall. I have no idea how she painted this in what little time we've been supposed to exist. But essentially, for the listeners, it's an entire representation of the the whole valley. There's the Bogus Bunsen Bean Farms in the background. There's the town in the foreground. There's hills and probably a river or something. And we just kind of get a nice shot that pans down among the whole thing. And it's it's incredible, and there's she's painted lightning bolts at the top because it's it's always storming. Yeah, it's, the whole thing it's it's large and yet detailed, and we just see we kind of the magic of movie making. It fast forwards the whole painting. We don't know how long it took, but we see her placing the the final touches as she puts in uh, a lightning strike in the distance. Yeah, and I don't know much about painting, but what's kind of interesting is for this last stroke of lightning strike, she kind of dips her brush in a blue base and then puts yellow on top of that. So presumably when she paints paints it onto the the canvas or wall, it's going to be like yellow but with like a blue background to it, and that gives a layer to the colors, I'm presuming. So that was interesting that she didn't just like dip yellow and go. She has technique that we see. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that is. I thought maybe that might just be like, um, like dirty water that she's... Because it does look like she dabs the brush so that may just be dirty water where she's clearing the brush and then dabbing the water off and then that's also possible going into gold but yeah she does a couple dips and then you know her skill she just in one straight line and well not straight line but but once one jagged (laughs) stroke she does the lightning and it's it's pretty realistic i mean it's pretty accurate to what lightning looks like if you've seen it it is uh yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I like the reveal. So we, you know, first we get just an overhead shot of her kit. We see the paints and brushes and, and whatnot. And then it's like close up on just the little bit of the scenery where she draws in the lightning strike. And then it pulls back and we see it's the whole world. You know, the, the village, the road, the trail tracks. We see, you know, the hole um, that once was uh, a hill. Um, you know, it pulls back to give us this, this <laughs> scope, this reveal of this masterpiece that um, that Felicity's created here. Yes, and as we all know, the pull back is what generates the force of the impact. Um, in part of the panning, too, you get to see her signature, and she really does claim it as her own. And I think that's a really nice little detail, too, that so many artists incorporate their signature somewhere in the work. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Fox strolls up, and he's like, wow, that's amazing. Paint an X where we are. <laughs> Ruin the painting. Yeah. <laughs> Stupendous. Where's us? Paint an X. <laughs> well, I guess theoretically the, the painting is designed as like a planning mechanism for them. So it's not just an artistic rendition. It has practical value of like, well, this is where X needs to be so we can run out of the pothole at Y and then blah, 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 blah. So presumably it's their blueprint. But they have other means of marking the mural. It just hurts. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
All right, we should move well, no, on. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. We, uh, we... <laughs> if I can just, nope. before we move on, I just want to go back to, Condor, thank you for bringing up uh, the signature. I'd like, I, at some point, I'd, I'd like to, if you guys could bring in like a, um, a signature expert or a handwriting expert to kind of <laughs> go over this, because she's got like the font. There's like a font, like it's not a, a cursive signature. It's it's a printed name, but they're serifs. <laughs> they're like she's like printed serifs in her painted signature. It's like very it's very detailed, very exact. But there's you know it's not just straight letters. And I think it you know I think it does say something about her personality. If you can get you know if you can read a personality from a signature, I think they would tell you you know this is someone who is exacting and detailed i think there's intelligence in this signature um and i think i I do like that we that in our panning across the mural or the painting that we do get to see it thank you for that beautiful sentiment john i'm looking at the signature again right now and the other interesting thing about it is it's all capital letters Mm -hmm. which is definitely a few fonts and like a few are coming to mind but i'm not placing it with one precisely and i'm like hmm now I want to go look and see what font it is. Yeah, so the, the it's like a, the F's for Felicity and Fox are capital. And it's one of those fonts where the rest of the letters, rather than being lowercase, they're just smaller uppercase. So things like the yeah. E's, the L's, the T's, the Y, you know, it's definitely like like the O and the X. It's just a size thing. I mean, you can't really tell is that a capital X or a lowercase X. But the, the letters in Felicity, obviously, an E or an L is different lowercase than uppercase yeah so she just it's just smaller uppercase letters for uh where where a less artistic person might use lowercase and so we start to hear the uh, voiceover of the letter that mr fox has written to farmers bogus bunsen bean saying that he's accepted their terms and he's going to like go to the spot where they've agreed to meet under the manhole cover where the the station wagons parked in front of the something store in front, uh, at the foot of the drain pipe next to the cobbler shop. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and look, I have an essay due at midnight guys. It's been a rough day. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's pretty clear from the start that it's just the return to the ransom letter. And then as he's reading the letter, we kind of pan around the painting some more. And then we cut to Bean reading the letter and Bean says, uh, naturally, uh, why did he write this out of letters cut out from magazines? <laughs> because you did. Not you, Tyler, but you. Yeah, Bogus yeah. says. Bogus being so sad. Bogus says, I don't know, but you did the same yeah. thing. Uh, I was going to say, Bean makes a point of saying, uh, I don't know, but I don't trust him. So clearly, both sides are not intending on keeping their end of the deal here. It's really going to be a stalemate. Mm-hmm. I-, I wonder what's going to happen. And then, yeah, when he says, I don't trust this guy, set up the ambush. So, like, they're amongst themselves. They're not even pretending that this is going to be on the up and up. He's not saying set up the exchange, you know, set up the prisoner swap or whatever. It's set up the ambush. So, But neither is Mr. Fox, so. (laughs) Yeah, but we like him. Do we? I do. (laughs) But, yeah, so I guess they're, they're both, there's some duplicity and cleverness on both sides um well just gonna say oh just jumping back quickly to uh to mr fox's response to the ransom note is this the first time that we have confirmation that 
like time of day is the same. Like we know like Fox years is different than human years, but they both agree <laughs> on what 10 a.m. means. Oh, that's an interesting point. I didn't pick up on that. Oh, no. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, if you guys have said, like, if, as you guys have said, like, a day is a day. Like, a fox year, I guess, like, a dog year is different than a human year. But a day, sun up, sun down, that's going to be the same for all all species. I mean, I, I'm assuming 10 a.m. fox time is 10 a.m. person time. But wouldn't it be funny if it was, like, our clocks were different and, like, they're, you know, Mr. Fox is there at 10 a.m. sharp and... Uh, you know, human 10 a.m. is six hours later or, or six fox hours later, and he's just there waiting, thinking they're standing him up, but they're just going by human time instead. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I think when they were digging, we get a, we get a, a caption that says, like, four hours later and then, like, eight fox hours. So I think even hours are split. So that's really confusing. Yeah. I also really like – so I got a little bit – you talked about it um, – the last minute of the Beach Boys. I get a little bit of Beach Boys fading out at the beginning of this minute, but we end with a really good rendition of the the Bogus Bunsen Bean song. Just instrumental. I, I'm, I think that's French horn, but it's just like a, just a horn and a drum, very somber playing in the background as the plans for this ransom exchange are being are being made. So uh, I like it. It builds a mood. I'd like to, you know, I, I just really like the way it, it kind of just holds. It's kind of just a plate, like a dish, a platter, um, a chalice, if you will. Just this French horn and drum chalice that holds up kind of the tension that's building with the, as plans are being made and times are set and watchers are synchronized and so forth. So uh, really kind of gets me in the mood for, uh, you know, whatever may come in the minutes to uh, to follow. Ooh, you're in the mood. Yeah, I'm in the mood. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, the last thing we get in the minute is uh, Fox and the gang kind of walking down a tunnel. We get a V formation with Fox in the front and kind of everyone out to the side in the background. And he says, uh, we should synchronize our watches. The time is now. And then the minute cuts off. But I do like to imagine that he's he's saying the time is now is in like now is the time for action. Yes. Now is the time. And for some reason, and we've we've seen these animals have been wearing clothes the whole movie. But for some reason, the idea that they're wearing wristwatches really just it just (laughs) (laughs) makes me laugh like that just tickles me. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. There's a badger in a suit and a tie and and all that other stuff. But (laughs) he's wearing a wristwatch. That's funny. So they're they're synchronizing their watches. They're getting ready for action. Business is definitely getting real because there's in sync walking. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like that's how you know it's just escalated to ten is because there's a group of people walking in sync. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been great if uh, the BGs kicked in for this minute. <laughs> Staying alive? Yeah, that's that that's like the best power walk song. You and your gang walking down the street, staying alive, playing. I'm I'm thinking of the I think it's at the end of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension where they're they're kind of like Buckaroo Banzai and his gang are are walking in sync kind of the way Mr. Fox and his crew are here it's definitely the kind of shot we've gotten in a uh, like Rushmore there's definitely a shot where like Max Fisher is walking and people are like coming up to him on the side or following him as he's brilliantly telling everyone what to do. Very Wes Anderson-y. I mean, 
I'm thinking like Mean Girls has a very famous in sync walking shot. Every time we say in sync, I think of the boy band in sync, <laughs> and it's, it freaks me out. I do too. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. But that's, def- that's definitely a trope. That's definitely there's a lot of movies that have the the gang walking in sync like this to uh, to music in the background, and yeah, it's a yeah. I guess it's a t- it's a tool that the storyteller uses to say. You know, these people, they mean business. They're on their way somewhere. When they get there, they're going to do something. So you should keep watching. I think it's also a not clunky way to show, like, transition through time and space because there is some emotion behind it. It's not just, like, a weird time jump. It kind of builds the tension in a way that just a time jump or an edit wouldn't do. Yeah, like a quick cut to people walking is you're like, okay, things are moving. We're we're getting ready for something. We're going somewhere. It's very It's very clear cinematic language although it i was going to say if there was another song i would recommend playing for like a gang walking it would be uh the song from the beginning of reservoir dogs which is little green bag yes that would be good too and that would be more fitting because these guys are more like the criminals of uh that film yeah but they're not in identical black suits but yeah little green little green bag okay (laughs) so uh so real quick activity we'll we'll give all of the critters a um a mr pink mr brown color and then we'll have to wrap things up i don't condra are you familiar with this concept no so every every character in reservoir dogs has a nickname it's mr and then a color so that they don't have to give their real names because they're criminals is that like did men in black make fun of that then in the first men in black well they had letters no no well no because um when they go into the morgue um, to look at the body of the alien prince. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mr. White and Mr. Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Mr. Black. Um, I don't know if it's making fun of that as much as like making fun of the stupid names that like the CIA would give as a disguise. Like in that episode of Drake and Josh, where the criminals disguise themselves as Buddy and Guy. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Fox is Mr. Orange, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> this isn't gonna go well. Uh, Badger is Mr. Black. Or Mole should be Mr. Black. Okay. Yeah. He's the music. He's got the musician Ky- look. So black. Kylie is Mr. Pink. <laughs> uh, yep. Pink I was tail. thinking the same thing. Kylie's Mr. Pink. I think Beaver should be Mr. Brown. Or Mr. Blonde. Or Mr. Blonde. Oh, no. Badger should be Mr. Blonde because he's got that wild temper. Just like Mr. <laughs> Blonde in Reservoir Dogs. So Beaver can be Mr. Brown. Okay. Weasel. What a weasel. Mr. Green, who cares? <laughs> well, I was thinking um, the rabbit can be Mr. Green. He's the only one that has white fur. I don't know what the characters are, so is there a Mr. White? There is a Mr. There white. is a Mr. White. Not Walter White, though. That's a different character. Um, and then what's the uh, what's the son's name in Reservoir Dogs? Uh, like Fast Eddie or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ash. Ash is Fast Eddie. <laughs> Okay. Okay, we should probably end the episode now. <laughs> I'm so confused, and I just don't know what to say anymore. Right. Just as, as long as we all agree Kylie is Mr. Pink, we're all on the same page there. Oh, for sure. Kylie and Steve Buscemi are, like, equal on my appreciation. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can, I, ad- I love Steve I can Buscemi attest so much. to how much Tyler loves Steve Buscemi. Oh it's a God. lot. I love him so much. What? I love Steve Buscemi almost as much as I love Discourse. Oh, I love Discourse. Yeah. See, I was just thinking just in terms of like the color, like pink, you know, Kylie kind of makes me think of, of sort of pink. And he's, um, you know, got a 
a pink nose and everything, pink tail. But I was even going yeah. deeper that if I, you know, if we were doing a recasting of of this movie with humans, I mean, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but but Steve Buscemi as Kylie, I book it done. You you oh, call yeah, that'd it, be Tyler. great. There you go. You're good at this. Especially because you could like understand like why Fox wouldn't really like him because he's kind of like this weird looking dude, but then it turns out that he's like really helpful yeah. and great. He like turns out and and you know not to give not well not to give too much away for minutes to come, but yeah, he he turns out to play a a, a pivotal role in a couple different scenes that are coming up. So uh, you know it, and he's got great yep. credit. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Sean, <laughs> thanks so much for coming back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. I, uh, well, you know, obviously I love the movie and I love the podcast and uh, I love being a guest. So, yes, thank you, both of you, Condra and uh, and Tyler. Thanks for having me back. There are any last minute things you want to say? Because we're, we're not at the end of the movie yet, but we might not be able to get you back on before the end of it. Is there any other last minute things? Just that I, <laughs> I think I love this movie even more. Then, then the last time you had me, and I know I, I gushed a bit about it in, in my first appearance. And, uh, you know, again, one of the things I had said then is I hadn't seen it for, for a long time. And I rewatched it upon hearing about the podcast. And I've been watching it. It's, it's fortunate that uh, HBO has been showing it a lot lately, I guess. I don't know. You must have worked out some kind of partnership deal where you do the podcast and they're showing oh, the movie. Sure. And- yeah, they pay us a lot of money. Well, it's 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 paying off, and and they so I've got the two feeds like East Coast and West Coast. So I'll see it's on, like I'll catch it. It'll be like in the middle, and they'll be like, well, if I wait three hours, like the West Coast feed, I can watch it from the beginning. And uh, yeah, I just um, this is such a fun movie, and uh, the animals are so great, and my appreciation for the movie has grown by by watching it through your eyes. You know, kind of getting into the details um, from the podcast. So yeah. Thank you very much. And I'm I'm very much looking forward to our exciting conclusion. I mean, we're just over an hour in, so um, there's only probably a, what two or three more hours left to go. So uh, I'll be I'll be listening and, and looking forward to how uh, how this turns out. You know, the, the, there's an ambush. There's an exchange. There's a boy safe return. What's going to happen? We don't know. And uh, we'll just have to keep listening. Yeah, follow Sean's advice and keep listening to the show. Uh, I'll say come back for minute sixty-three. So, Ed, we'll do our quick, uh, we'll do our wrap up of where people can find us. So, uh, Sean, where can people? Oh, find where, you? where can people find me? Well, you can. Uh, the best place is to go to cat and Sean dot org. That's C A T cat as in Catherine, and Sean S E A N dot org. And uh, there I link to all my podcast stuff. I link to my guest appearances. If you don't know what I'm talking about in terms of uh, my first my first go round with uh, with the folks here, you'll you'll find a link to uh, to that minute and a link to many other podcasts that I've been uh, fortunate to be a guest of. And there's also a link to uh, sort of the the home site for this movies by minutes thing, and that's moviesbyminutes.com. So uh, go to catandshawn.org. And click on all the links and listen to all the stuff. And then, uh, you know, come back next week for Minute 63. Awesome. Uh, Condra, where can people find us? People can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. They can also email us at AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. They can rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and some other podcast listening sites. I want to give a quick plug. Uh, I've, I've recently been a guest on uh, Independence Day Minute and uh, 2001 Minute. Uh, the podcast is called Open the Podcast Doors, Hal. I had a lot of fun with 
both of those podcasts. So check those out. And in the coming weeks, Condra and I will be on Mad Max Fury Road Minute. So check that out. We'll let you know when that comes out. But go listen to those because those were super fun too. So yeah, join us next time for Minute 63. I've been Tyler Boudreaux. I've been Condra. I've been Sean. And we hope you have a fantastic day. Fantastic.